0: So this week is a double episode. It was a podcast swap between me and Cal Fussman. His podcast is called Big Questions with Cal Fussman. And uh, so I'm posting my interview of him and his, his interview of me. And he's doing the same on his to reach new people. Plus, I think they're both really dope. So get into it. This is Cal Fussman interviewing me on Big Questions.
1: Recognize this song? You gotta keep your head up, oh-oh, and you can let your head down, eh eh How about this one?
0: Nah, nah, honey, I'm good. I can have another, but I probably should not. I got somebody at home, and if I stay, I might not leave alone. Oh, and this one. So suddenly I'm in love with a stranger. I can't believe that she's mine. Now all I see
1: is you with fresh eyes. How about this one?
0: Good, 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 good to be alive, right about now.
1: That's Andy Grammer singing his own creations. I'm always curious about that mysterious place where music comes from. And in Andy's case, we're about to find out. Welcome to Big Questions. This is Cal Fussman. And Andy Grammer has created so many songs that I love. Today... I'm going to find out how Andy went from street performing on the Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica without getting a single coin dropped in his guitar box throughout an entire day to platinum hits, singing the National Anthem at the World Series, and getting me to sing along with him when I'm listening to him in my car. We'll get to all that in a moment, but first, a shout out to my sponsor want to thank Sportique for coming along on the journey. We're getting out Sportique hoodies and sweats to the winners of the Why Is Your Best Friend Your Best Friend competition that were announced last week. And all those winners are going to find out just how comfortable Sportique threads are. Man, I wish the winners could all have themselves videoed when that hoodie goes on for the first time. They're going to feel the definition of the word comfort. This is not hyperbole. I've heard about people who've decided to clean out their closet and throw out all unnecessary clothes. And they've tossed out almost everything except their Sportiques. Go to Sportique.com and find out how comfortable Sportique is going to be for you. That's S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E dot com. Remember, there's no U in Sportique after the Q. That's what makes it unique. Sportique. In my intent. My intent is a company that makes cool bracelets that make you ask yourself some serious questions. For instance... If you're wondering what you want to accomplish over the coming year, this bracelet asks you to think hard about where you want to go and then dig deep to find the single word that will inspire you to get there. That word gets chiseled into a token that is wrapped over your wrist by a beautiful band. It's like putting your North Star right in front of you. These bracelets are not only daily inspiration, but they can spark conversations with all the people who are going to inquire about your word. And there are going to be a lot of them. Oh, and a My Intent bracelet is highly affordable. Check out myintent.org to see all the possible options. You're going to see a lot of accomplished people on that site. Beyonce, Conan O'Brien, even Larry King. Because accomplished people ask themselves some deep questions. My intent, the bracelet that asks deep questions and leads to great answers. And now, let's serve up some questions to Andy Grammer. All right. So we just spent, what, about an hour and a half? Yeah. On your podcast.
0: Which was awesome. Thank you so much for being a part of it.
1: That was absolute delight. and much of the time was spent with you asking me how I interview.
0: Yes, and I made sure that I went first so that I wouldn't be um, psyched out to go second (laughs) with a master interviewer. Yeah,
1: You asked me how I prepare, and I thought it would be interesting when we turn the tables here to interview you as if I didn't prepare as if I had no idea who you were, all right, as if I was boarding a bus and there was an empty seat, and I sat down next to you, mm, cool, but maybe, maybe I had just seen a video that you'd made, so I have that connection in my head. It's not like you're a, a total mystery when you unveil who you are. It, And then let's just see where the conversation goes. I'm in. All right. Beautiful. So where are you from?
0: I grew up in upstate New York, about an hour north of New York City. And um, I was there until about 21.
1: And then I moved out to Los Angeles. So
0: I've been, New York and Los Angeles have been where I'm
1: from. Yeah. What was the house like when you were... 7 years old.
0: Oh man, it was awesome. It's this big brown house on 4 acres of land and uh it had a pond that we used to skate on and I grew up like in kind of country isn't totally correct but kind of like that. Um just like we had a big trail around the whole thing around all the 4 acres. My dad called it the Cowabunga Trail and we'd ride in the back of the tractor. It sounds like I'm from the country, but it didn't feel that way. Um yeah, it was just like a great place to grow up, like a lot of space. The Kawabunga, Kawabunga, The I don't know. He, my dad's a, he's really funny. He came up with that. And at seven, you're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, it was a great, great place to grow up. Was there a lot of music in your childhood? Yeah, because, you know, he was, uh, he's a children's singer, but he was also a folk singer for a while in a group called the Limelighters. And so the Limelighters were kind of a famous band. And then kind of near the end, their lead singer left or something like that, and my dad filled in. And so he was doing these these gigs, playing for kind of an older crowd, and he had a sense that it wasn't exactly what he wanted to do. So then him and my mom started writing kid songs for my brother, who's a little bit older than me, once he was born. And then my mom would book him schools when he'd go to do these other folk gigs. So that was like slowly figuring out like, oh, this is my purpose is to be a children's singer. Like, wow. And he's so good at it. It's amazing. So being around, I grew up around uh, two parents that were always writing music. I was really lucky.
1: How would that play out at the kitchen table? Were you all singing around the table?
0: No, there wasn't like singing around the table. It was just, a a class that you weren't even aware was a class. So they'd be in the other room and they'd be writing music and you could hear them doing the hook again. You're like, oh, I think we can beat that hook. Hearing that is just, you know, one time I, in college, I had to give, uh, it was like a speech class. And I stood up and gave a speech on songwriting. And um, all the notes that I got were like, no one knows this. So you didn't explain it very well. You just like jumped right to the, right to all these pieces that nobody knows. And that was the first time that I was like, oh. How can you not know that? How do you not know that? Right everybody a, knows this. On the
1: cowabunga trail. Yeah, yeah
0: this is what you do. You like, you grow up, your parents write songs. You understand that it, the the verse, bridge, chorus, you, all these things are, are common knowledge. And as I get older, I'm like, oh, they weren't. What a, what a lucky place to be put on this planet. If, if what you want to do is be a songwriter. To put into a family where you're learning this from, from day one. At
1: what point did you start to write songs?
0: I was writing, and it was always only about the writing. Um, I got, I picked up a guitar. There was always instruments laying around. There was a piano in the house, but I picked up my guitar around 16. And um, the first thing I did with it was try to write a song using only the bottom E string. It was never like, oh, I want to master this instrument. It was always like, I'm going to use this thing to attach a story to it, and that's how this is going to go. Um, and then a lot of my learning instruments and learning melody has always been how to serve this idea of telling a story, or you know, the idea of song. I'm like obsessed with song, and it really any story. How do you get a story across in a way that will actually affect someone or hit them in, a, in an interesting way?
1: And it took till sixteen. Oh so you- yeah.
0: I I didn't even know about music. Who cares about music? It was all sports. You know, growing up where we were in Chester, New York, uh, Monroe, Chester, it was like, that's what you did. It was sports. It was either you played football, basketball, baseball, and that was it.
1: And so just listening to your parents creating music, that's what they did. That's
0: what they did. But that was kind of weird. I mean, that was like a hobby. There weren't a lot of people that were doing, that were living off creativity where i grew up but i but my dad was so it was kind of this weird dichotomy of like oh yeah we're like kind of the weird ones <laughs> <Would you laughs> like this guy's a construction worker uh this guy's this guy dad. owns a deli this guy owns a deli everybody knows someone who like owns a pizza shop uh, in upstate new york and um this is construction this is but you know, and then what does your dad do? Oh, he's he writes, a children's singer. He writes what the songs hell about you, peace.
1: What are you talking about? Yeah.
0: So that it was kind of this weird thing of like, of course that's normal, and also, yeah, that's pretty weird. I yes. Yeah. All
1: right. So, did you know
0: that you had a good voice? No, I didn't know that, and especially because my dad has a really good voice. So anywhere we went, it was clear that this this guy has like a really high tenor, beautiful voice, and everybody knew him for that. So I was the sports kid and my dad was the singer.
1: Did your dad having such a beautiful voice make you a little mm. timid about singing?
0: Yeah, for a little while. You know, I always think it's interesting what your um what doesn't come naturally to you then forces you to be good in in other areas. So I always think that like because I didn't just pick up a guitar and like be virtuoso at it, it was pretty clear that the song was how I was going to make my name. Like, oh, okay. I'm not going to get up and like Sam Smith you. (laughs) I don't have Adele in my jeans necessarily. Um, This is how I felt when I was younger. Now I've like learned how to use it. And I actually am pretty proud of it. I think my voice is pretty good. Um, But at the time in high school, when I was like starting to pick up the guitar, it was like, oh, that's not, that's not the thing I have. So I better learn how to really tell a story and, get my point of view and my
1: emotions across. Were you, did you, were you always attracted to stories?
0: Um, I think so. I don't know if I would have said that's what it was. I just like, I only cared about sports. And then I heard John Mayer's first album and I heard Lauryn Hill's album. And shortly after like Stevie Wonder and then Billy Joel was on. And it was like, it was like until sophomore year, I couldn't understand why people would even talk about music because it didn't matter. It didn't, none of it mattered. It was all about sports. It was all like, I would run down the, my long driveway every morning and look at the Yankee stats. And, uh, and it was like, just every day was a obsessive thing of how to get my left hand to be as good as my right hand dribbling. And it was all sports until, um, yeah, until about sophomore year, it was like my, I could see or hear and understand that music was a part of life and it started to consume me.
1: Was there a single song that set you off?
0: Um, The album, you know, it's so funny. Like I remember that first John Mayer album. I remember hearing it in a car and having like a reaction to it in the back seat. Because I'd never had it before. So I remember looking, like I forget whose car I was in, but I was being like, who is that? What the hell is that? Because I need that. I need to hear that again. And then I went and got the CD and I was playing it in my mom's minivan. And I remember being (laughs) parked outside of school and just not going in
1: to school because i needed to listen to this record how off, how many times in a row did you listen to it
0: well no i just wanted to listen to it all the way through but i was also a kid that didn't get in trouble ever so to have something be that important that i was going to just deal with whatever the consequences were was kind of a weird thing what for a me. great moment yeah i'm sitting in the car going like listen there's going to be a, a a teacher's aide that's going to yell at me and that is not as important as like getting all this in and understanding this because this is like so great. I love this right now. Um, And that first record John Mayer was really good at. He was unbelievable at guitar, like unbelievable at guitar. But then also like really some of the lyrics are like really good. The metaphors were incredible. And I was like really taken by it. And uh, that's a funny moment still to think about me being like, I don't care if if people misunderstand me. Um, or I get in trouble. This is more. This is the most important thing in in life right now.
1: Did you talk to your mom and dad about that, or did it just come out? Um, no, we
0: didn't talk a ton about it. You know, my my dad saw that. Then, because I liked it so much, I then became obsessed with learning why it was so good. So I I remember printing out all the lyrics and then looking at all the chords and learning how to play the guitar from him. You know, I just got I just saw him at a studio a couple years back. And got to tell him, like, dude, you taught me guitar. I really appreciate you. Because if it was just guitar, I never would have learned it. But because you were so good at guitar and so good at story and song, that I started to see that, like, oh, man, I need to be really good at the guitar if I want to learn how to, if if it's going to help me tell this story. Um, So my dad, I was just talking to him, he remembers me just being locked upstairs. Like, right, we're right at the, this is when the internet was kind of taking off and tabs were happening where you can actually, le- it's a different way of understanding chord. Like you can see it, where, where to put your fingers on the guitar. So I would just get every song from John Mayer, learn the tab, and then that's like my vocabulary of chords. And what's cool is they're more, they're more complicated than the average. So at that time was, um, I don't know, Goo Goo Dolls. And, oh, and if you play guitar, you know where your hands go usually. There's C, G, D, these are the chords. And, and it's like a pretty clear shape on the neck. And John Mayer was going all the way up the neck and all the way down the neck. And there's these weird kind of jazzy things that were happening. Um, So that was the beginning of, of like really caring about music.
1: And what was your dad thinking while you were going through this? Did he see you on a path to music? He was pretty like chill about it. He wasn't trying to push me in any
0: direction. Um, I think he, he kind of, I remember there was a couple of times where he was, oh, you, you're you're better than, than maybe just the average. And he would tell me when he saw that. And he helped me. He brought me in to where he had recorded his children's albums. And he had this guy named John Guth um, record a couple of my songs, which was really cool. At that point, you know, there wasn't a ton of garage band going on <laughs> when I was in high school. So it was kind of a big deal to go into a studio and uh, get to hear yourself back,
1: you know. What were the songs that your dad sang to the kids that resonate with you? Uh, He's got a song called um, See Me Beautiful that's
0: really good. What I got from my dad was there's a way to be really quality um, while being um, wholesome quality and wholesome can go together. Uh, And so this simple song that is a kid's song, which is see me beautiful, look for the best in me is what I really am and all I wanna be. Could you take a chance and see me shining through and see me beautiful. It's like heart-wrenching and sweet. And and, and when you see a sea of five-year-olds like completely at attention watching my father sing sweet truths to little kids. You're like, Whoa, this is awesome. This is not cheesy or, or, or silly. There are times for that as well, but just seeing that he really put a lot of tension and care into making beautiful pieces of art for young children to take in, in a field where, you know, you can get away if with, just being like, here's the color red. Red, red, red. And this one's blue. No, 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 no. Like you can do that. Yeah. And the kids will still just kind of bob their head. But but there is something different when you're saying, see me beautiful. Look for the best in me. And, and the little souls of these five-year-olds going like, totally. <laughs> I want to be seen beautiful. Oh my God, please. Um, so kind of growing up around that had to have a, a pretty serious uh, impact on me.
1: At what point, do you know, hey, this is going to be my life. This is this is more than I'll take the repercussions for listening to it, but I'm throwing myself completely into this. Hmm. I think it's a
0: gradual situation. You know, we I was dabbling with it in college. I went to college for acting, which is uh I'm not a very good actor, but I, hopefully one day I might become one. I'm well, I would love to like try to get good at it. But uh, while I was there studying acting, I got a couple lead roles just luckily. And even while I was doing it and I was getting all the attention, I would still be writing songs in between the breaks. So we'd have a break and I'd go to my guitar and be like, cool. And I think the biggest thing, reason to go with music as opposed to acting is that acting, you're, you're saying someone else's words. You're telling somebody else's story which is cool. And man, people that are good at that are are unbelievably gifted at being the conduit to tell a story. And I knew that I didn't necessarily want to write screenplays. So I, I found that, man, what I love is trying to take someone as far as I can in about three and a half minutes. That's what I love. There's all these different forms of art, and for that period of my life, that's that's been my favorite.
1: Were you always playing your own music, or were you huh. doing covers? When I you was, first you know. Started?
0: Luckily, I was not. I'm not good at that.
1: Not good at covers. No, I'm
0: bad. I'm bad at cover gigs. I don't remember lyrics. Fantastic. Like some people, my wife's amazing at it. She'll look at lyrics one time and just sing them. And um I. Oh my God, my dog is really
1: going for it. That only makes him more authentic. That's <laughs> makes cool. him more authentic. You are here with me. Um, I got I, the lawnmower in the back and the yeah, dogs. I actually, I went
0: to. I got this I, when I was street performing. This guy came up and said, "Like I can pay you really
1: well to play it, the Four Seasons of this cover gig." Well, let's back up here, street performing, because I know. Right. Well, actually, I don't know. You're right, because I'm interviewing you yes, on a bus. Go of ahead.
0: Course. Go ahead. So I'm. i he comes up to me on the street and goes like, you got a good voice. You seem to be like doing really well out here. I can pay you, uh, what was it, like 500 bucks a night if you can play covers for three hours. And I remember being like, okay. At that time, oh my God, I need $500. Please God, give me money. And I went home and started to learn a list of, he didn't even give me like a ton of things that I had to play, it was just like play whatever covers you think people want to hear for three hours. And I realized that cover songs, this is not the best use of me. I'm not. What, what is it that because, doesn't agree? Because my special sauce um, is my point of view. If, if you take that away from me, then I'm not that much different than um, anybody else. So me just playing covers for three hours, number one, it's going to take me a while. I have to put in a lot of effort and time into getting a cover set that smashes for three hours, right? I want to be the best at whatever it is that I do. And I remember being like, I don't want to put my energy into learning other people's songs. I would rather spend a lot of energy writing terrible songs that get better. Um, And I remember that was like a moment in my life where I was thinking, this is going to be a much longer route and I'm going to lose this, this gig. Where the guys, he, <laughs> he's offering bucks. me money right now that I need so badly, but I, I'm i not going to put all my time and energy and obsess on how to do other people's music great. I'm going to obsess on how to get myself to come across with my own songs. And um, so then I just like, you know, gave up the gig and went back out to the street and was trying my own songs out on the street.
1: Where on the streets were you? Um, I was performing in Third Street Promenade. Now that's
0: in? In Santa Monica. Santa Monica. I did a little bit at Venice Beach and a little bit um, on Hollywood
1: Boulevard. So this is when you came out to go to college or? Yeah,
0: or- uh, I was like right near the end of my college uh, experience. So I went to school for music business. And the day that I walked across the stage to get my diploma, that same day I had like all my gear in the car. And just drove directly out to the beach because I had been performing. And so I like, in my head, I was like, man, first day out of college, got a job crushing it, (laughs) crushing (laughs) it, you know?
1: I remember Rod Stewart telling me this story. When he was young, he went to Paris to, to busk, I guess. that's what they call it. And he was out playing his guitar on the streets, trying to get up some change from people. Yeah. And, Many years later, like decades later, he's walking through the streets of Paris and he sees a young guy yeah. on the streets with guitar, playing one of his songs, singing for quarters, and well not quarters, but for change. And that was the moment he knew how far he'd come. Yeah, it's amazing. It's
0: truly, it's truly amazing to be able to, I've had that happen as well, where you're passing someone and um, they either are singing, you, you hear one of your songs being you played on the street or once they see you, then they start to play your song, which is really sweet too. And especially down in Santa Monica, because I'm one of the stories that has been publicized a bunch as a street performer who's been able to play be on the radio and tour and stuff. Um, when I walk through the Third Street Promenade, I'll get that. And it's 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 amazing. I think that sometimes you need to go back there to remember how far you've come. Uh, or, or sometimes I'll play a show with a friend who is a roommate of mine, and the sh- that sh- specific show counts for more because you're next to someone who actually really knows where you, where you were. I think it's about being around people when the world didn't believe in you that will r-
1: remind you how far you've come. Well, what's it like to be in that place? because some part of you wants to prove yourself Mm -hmm. and another part of the equation is the world doesn't want to believe you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, it's, it's gnarly. You know, you really have to, you have to commit to the idea that you are worthy of it in one sense. And then you have to be humble enough to just do the dirty work. At the same time.
1: What's the dirty work?
0: The dirty work is showing up every day, showing up every day and just starting to sing when no one cares and no one's watching. That's the dirty work.
1: When you're doing that, are you only in your head or are you carefully watching the people to see, oh, that made them stop?
0: Yeah. You, I got good enough at, um, at kind of like, I would imagine it's almost like lip reading, <laughs> you know, like people who can't who uh, can't hear or get really good at lip reading. I wasn't lip reading, but I was very attentive to, is this working, is this not working, what's happening? You know, I always, when I talk to other artists, I try to be as um, transparent as possible about how long it can take to develop something that is uh, of service to other people. So you go out and you street perform for like a whole year and, and you slowly realize that the only thing that you have of value to anyone, is when you play this one cover in your own way. So for me, it was a Snow Patrol cover, Chasing Cars. I still sometimes do it because it, like, it was the first thing that like really was giving to people rather than them coming by and giving to me. Um, and so it's a slow process of putting together these building blocks of things that are actually worth someone's time. You know, it's always, especially even right now, like to give someone your attention is a very big deal in, in 2018. Right? To to like give of your attention. We all have so many things that are asking for our attention. So if someone gives it to you and you actually can deliver on that attention, that is the beginning. You have now begun doing whatever it is that you want to do.
1: So th- is this is about 14 years ago when you graduate from college and you go down to third street. Let's or? see. Yeah, well, no, so. it's your 35 now. I'm 35. I can't know that. I'm no, sorry, no, it's all good. Please. Yes,
0: I'm 35 now. 21 was when I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, probably around, yeah, I've started street performing around 25, 26. Probably, oh, okay,
1: so, yeah. so it's about less than 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, maybe a little before, I'm bad with dates because my mom passed away when I was 25 and I remember I was street performing right around then.
1: Yeah. What's that like to be performing on the street, your mom, who obviously put some of this into you, yeah. has just passed away do you start composing songs about her?
0: Yeah. I mean, the song Keep Your Head Up came out of just trying to write myself a pick-me-up because I had nothing going correct. Um, there was like a whole day of performing and nobody put any money in my case.
1: Oh, and man. You're
0: just like. Right after she passed away? Um, uh, Not exactly, but in the same zone, you know, I'm still dealing with the fact that she passed away. So yes, it was fresh for sure. Oh. And you're just kind of in this low spot and you're trying to, um, yeah, it keeps going back to this idea that when you don't have, when the world is not showing you that what you're doing is worth it, that is a really, that, that's really hard. And you need to find some way to push through those moments because you have to still create and you have to be getting better, you know? We just went and saw, I just went and saw Ira Glass give a talk he's the guy from NPR and I remember around that time watching a video on YouTube of him saying that you get into an art form because you have good taste so you you get in because you're like, I know what's good and then you start to create and you're the first one to know that uh, it's terrible you have good taste <laughs> And the only way to get what you're creating to, to be um, as good as your taste is to do it a ton but then what? are you leaning on when wh- when you're just creating terrible things to get it up to your taste that's the mind game wow this is the dance for anyone who's listening oh my god y- there are years where you're creating things that are not connecting just years of of making art for painters for dancers for musicians for freaking people in business like those who can make it through the gauntlet of just creating through Uh, mediocrity just create just create through all of it and get a little bit better each time then you can do incredible things but um that's a really hard thing to do
1: what's it like to go the whole day and not a single coin come to you yes
0: there's something uh can we curse on yours oh yeah there's something so fucking badass about it (laughs) that is like the most rebellious act Uh, That maybe I've ever done in my life is to show up with your heart, sing to no one, have no one respond and be like, still fucking did it. (laughs) Like I Uh, did it. No one can say I didn't do it. I'm here. I showed up with everything I have and I gave it my best and no one cared. But I did it. And also, I will be here tomorrow. So anyone wants to not care tomorrow, fuck you too. (laughs) But I will be here tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Once you have this thing, wow! you can do literally anything. I believe that's so hardcore. And I, you know, it's funny because sometimes you'll watch a movie like Harry Potter and be like, Oh, that's magic. That's like f- fancy. Like that's, a, that's ridiculous. But to me, this piece, this understanding, this thing is as magical as anything else. This idea that, uh, persistence or that I will never stop because it is part of my calling. It is part of who I am. Um, like, anything can happen when you have that. I, I truthfully believe that. I start to go into, like, a weird place of, like, a- anything, you know.
1: Where does your composing go from there? Does does it does that, whatever that force is, bring out? Yeah, music? I
0: mean, it's funny because in the beginning, it's amazing that any songwriter doesn't just write songs about how hard it is. <laughs> like because that's what you're feeling the whole time is man i need something to hit i'm i'm struggling it's so hard um but you somehow figure out how to how to write about life and and what's going on and your story and love and beauty and you find you, you find a way to block out all the other stuff and just and just do it which is funny because it's as hard to block that out when you need a hit so bad in the beginning to just be recognized there's all this pressure. Um, And the pressure comes in the form of silence. Nobody cares. Nothing's happening. No phone calls, no knocks on the door, no anything. Nobody nobody cares about you. That silence is a massive amount of pressure for an artist. But it's about the same as when you've had a bunch of hits and you need another one. (laughs) Those two are just cousins. They're the same thing. So if you can get over the first one, if if you can push through, then you know that... uh, I've, well, you've already done it. So. You've done it, and you show up, and you're like, all right, the odds are 100% not in my favor, but I've done it
1: before, and so I'm just going to keep going. You know? Was there a, a moment that you knew, okay, here goes, this is going to work?
0: I've only felt that one time. I knew one time with Honey, I'm Good that I had the thing. Every other time, I did not know. So that that is an interesting. Even with head up? No, I didn't know. Didn't know. I didn't even pick that song. My manager picked that song. He saw me playing it on the street and said, you need to finish that song. That's the song. And there's another song on that record called The Pocket, which is my jam. And I'm like, that's the song. And he's like, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this one's so much cooler. Um, and then you slowly realize that um the one that's cooler there's different ways of being cool hearing a, hearing you know a stadium of people being on stage with taylor swift saying keep your head up okay that's cooler you're right <laughs> you win that one is cooler for the moment but this other one is still really cool in its own way and and judging which ones work and um that's a whole other topic is like who to let into your inner circle to then have some really important to curate curate and um uh, and he's still my manager today and we're you know really good friends and we love to dissect songs and figure out
1: what's working, why it's working, what's not working. What does it take to build that trust with someone? You're putting out everything that's inside you and then depending on...
0: Yeah, I mean, what was lucky was that he really needed um, something to work as well. And he was, I could see that um, he was as all in as I was which is rare, he, you know, he had another act that was doing pretty well, but wasn't gonna build a company or wasn't able to build a company around it. And he, uh, he was just as in as I was, which I hadn't seen a lot of before. You know, the first thing we did, he came out to the street, he watched me play. And that day we went to go get a better amp and a better rug and a better sign. When you have that type of intensity and brotherhood on the lowest, smallest levels, wow! um, What was I think? What it is to build that trust is that when you when you genuinely believe when you when you genuinely believe that the person that's giving you criticism is not attached to being right, they're attached to it being better. You can actually handle a lot of criticism, bluntness. tearing down something when if there's a twinge of like oh you just need to be right right now that's where all the insecurity all the um all the trust breaks down and everything falls apart and so throughout our you know we've been together for i mean i don't even know from the beginning so years and years and uh i've never felt from him that he needs to be right and and that is a blessing he needs he, he he's not trying to Prove something to me or show show off in some way, he really wants it to be the best it can be. That is actually really rare. It sounds the like the more that you meet people in the industry, that's that's really rare. Sounds like a great editor for a writer. Yeah. And it, it's cool because you can kind of, you know, you have someone else that you know, you're gonna go throw a ton of stuff at the wall and then uh and and I'm someone who's we we just kind of fit.
1: This is gonna lead to a question I've been meaning to ask. Yeah. Is it okay to write a lousy song? Oh my God, you have to. You have to. But nobody wants to write a lousy song. Is it you just don't know it's lousy? You have no idea. Every song that I've ever written is like, uh, you write it
0: and then imagine that you are looking at a painting, but your nose is on the painting. Oh my God, that's horrifying. So you're looking at it and you're like, I think it's good. <laughs> oh I'm pretty sure this... And there are times you're like, no, this one's good. I know it's good. But you can't tell. It's right here. And time slowly allows you to like take a good... It's It backs you up, backs you up, backs you up. And the majority of the time, you go like, oh, that's absolutely horrible. I thought that was good. That's terrible. And then every once in a while,
1: um, it's like, no, that's really good. Holy shit, that's so good. So out of 100 songs that you write, mm-hmm. how many are absolutely terrible, probably about 10%. Oh, well, that's not bad.
0: The reason that's terrible and still miserable odds is that no one, if you were gonna rate them, uh, this one's an A, this one's a B, this one's a C, this one's a D, mm-hmm. you probably have about 10% that are just D, right? Because you swung hard in a, in a way to make something really unique and it's just terrible. Okay. You went off into the fields to make something crazy. right? And when those work, those are the biggest ones. So you yeah, have to spend ten percent okay. going as far as you can into some weird direction. Got Honey it. I'm good is like the weirdest song I've ever written. It almost sounds like a country song, not country. Um it's like a stomp clap. I was thinking it was whatever. It's one of the weirder ones that I've ever written. And that's w- one where did it come from? Uh me and this guy, Nolan Sype, got together and we just wrote it in like two and a half hours. But what what
1: was that? Well,
0: because I'm uh I mean we we wrote it about this thing of being monogamous, but how if you're completely honest about it, it's still you're still like your, your eyes wander all the time. If you're being completely honest, brutally honest about it. So it's about like, you know, after a show meeting someone and being like, I'm good, but you're hot, but I'm good. Like everybody has felt <laughs> how, that. How does it go? Since yeah. I haven't, I don't yeah. know anything No, no, honey, I'm good. I can have another, but I probably should not. I got somebody at home and if I stay, I might not leave alone. It's like it's that. Um, and we just came out quick and it was like a super weird one. And then it worked, it worked really well. Yeah. That's not your first hit. No, which is cool. Cause it was so strange that it was nice to have a little bit of context to have a really strange one hit like that. Um, the first one was keep your head up and that one I wrote, um, on the street, uh, street, how's that one go? You got to keep your head up. Oh, oh, and you can let your head down. Eh, eh. That one, that was in a movie called the pitch perfect, which was kind of a big cultural hit. And so to have my song up next to Rihanna and all these other massive hits of the time was like a really good spot. What was it like watching that? Well, it was I mean, funny because nice. they say they want to use it. And, um, you know, I was just a new artist and they're like, we want to put it in this acapella movie. And you're like, I mean, okay, that sounds kind of lame. But- <laughs> You're not too far removed from the Third Street promenade. Here. Oh, no, no, no. It was, so we we're taking anything. Of course, please put it in. And then it became this huge. You just got a new rush from thing. your manager. I know, I know.
1: Um, it and was, now the it was next amazing. thing, like, where did you first see that? Where, where did you go into a theater and watch your song? Oh, I don't think I did see it in a theater. Didn't. I didn't even know. It was like one of those
0: things that sl- took a little while and slowly became this big thing. And I didn't recognize it until it was a big thing. It was probably already out of the theaters, and uh, and then I went and saw the movie. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is really cool." It was like done very very well, and my song was kind of in the middle of it, which is
1: great. Okay. At this point, do you? How are you feeling about yourself? Because you, now you're proven. One is not proven. One is lucky.
0: That's what's terrifying. <laughs> 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 one is one, you get but one. You,
1: you know, you're sitting, at, you're on the promenade and, and it's like, I'll show you and everybody's walking by, I know you yeah. Well, And now all of a sudden you have shown. Yeah. You know, it's funny
0: because when you're a part of it, it's so gradual that it's hard to know. Oh, it's interesting for you to answer this as well. It's like, when when does gratification happen? Like what's the best part of something working? Is it when you know that it's going to work, but it hasn't happened yet? That might be my favorite. Knowing that something is so good and that it probably will work might be my favorite part. Because by the time you get an award for the thing, your head is already in a completely different place. You're worried about the next thing. It's hard to appreciate. By the time I've ever gotten an award, I'm always just like, okay, cool. That's done, though. What do I do with this thing? (laughs) It's nice to know. Thank you so much for this award. But, like, that's finished. Like my head is already
1: so far down the line on all these other things, you know? So reminds me of a quote that goes something about how talking about past success is like feathers on a dead bird. It really is, you know? You just
0: kind of have to always be on to the next creating. And then when, when the first time you accept an award and realize that like it doesn't change your life or make you feel that much better, you then start to get weird artisty and go like, oh, maybe it's a process. And I don't know exactly how I feel about that. But that is interesting that, like, if this is this is the moment that I should be feeling elated or excited or, you know, beyond belief. Oh, my God, we have this big hit and we're getting an award for it. Um, but it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like um, it's already over. That's kind of sad, huh? I'm not trying to be a downer. No. I, I think for me, what it is, is like I guess I truly just do love being able to create, the, the p- process
1: of creating, and then hopefully having it hit people in a way that they love. I, I think a lot of artists would immediately identify yeah. with that because it's really about what's next. Yeah. What's the next story? What's the next story? We're not really, I don't
0: know if we're here to accept awards. That's like not the main purpose. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's
0: not bad oh my god it's great thank you so much being acknowledged is like wonderful but you always know that like whatever night this is that i'm accepting an award there's tomorrow and i'm going to be back to um you know slinging rhymes and melodies and chord structure and trying to figure out how to create this thing again
1: that is going to um make people feel something i don't think awards are ever created by the artists who know that one song is not really better than another. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible. I mean, look, there are great songs, but Yeah.
0: You know, Isn't it that's a
1: really interesting idea? Because I
0: do think some both sides of that I agree with. One of the cool parts of being a street performer is realizing that there is actual tangible value to art. You know, like you can go out and play a song and people won't stop. And you play another one and they stop. So you can see in the moment that this has value with people and this one doesn't. And that's pretty interesting. And that depends on the people. Depends on the people. But what's cool about Santa Monica is it's a it's a vacation destination. So you're getting this really wide splattering of people. You know, Japan is there, is represented, and Australia is represented. Yeah, you're right. That's other a per- great a, petri dish. All these petri dish people walking by, and and uh, when I would play certain songs, everybody stops. So while you, you are know. <laughs> while you are correct that is, it's hard to define whether art is better than other art, sometimes it's also super clear and not hard at all.
1: You know, yeah. I guess when I met, meant it like in a sense of awards, like if you put yeah. up Louis Armstrong's "It's a Wonderful World" against Ray Charles's "Georgia," of course, just a difference of it, opinion. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. If they're if they both make people stop. Yeah. Like, then what? what's the sense of saying one's better than the other? Totally. So what's the next step on your trajectory here? Because you know, number one, no, that was luck. Number no, sure. two, this this kind of crazy country song. Yeah. And I'm not really country. Yeah. What happens then? Um, then we have a song. Then
0: then then I had uh Good to Be Alive, which has been an amazing song that's done really well in like big arena stadium situations so how does that one go it goes good 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 to be alive right about now like it's like a it's it's another like stomp stop one but it's got some trap in it as well it's kind of like a um i don't know it's one of my favorite songs that i've ever written and that one does really well in like sports and it's done amazing in different movies and syncs and uh commercials
1: and so it's kind of a wacky interesting different type of hit um I, I was, just saw this movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, my favorite. And there's this great scene where the stomping and clap.: I know. That was yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> so As simple. You see how it was created. Yeah. And it really struck me. Man, that's the simplest I know. way of approaching a song.
0: This is what I love and truly it's one of my favorite things about um, being in the pop music sphere, which is how do you create something that has layers, but is also super simple. This is like simple is the hard game to play, right? Like to get something that still feels valid and beautiful and amazing, but is simple is, is really, really hard to do. It's, it's a lot more of the mind. Minute changes of something simple that I I find off has a higher chance of becoming a hit. Now, like I said, when you go way, way, way out and get super weird, if you do catch the thing out on that edge, that also gets massive. But your chance of having a hit are much much better um,
1: capturing a simple idea and nailing it. All right. So now you've got a few hits. Very lucky. Now, now it's all. <laughs> it's still all luck is this what has to go on in your head in order for you to be in a place where you need to be competitive to win because Mm. i know from i shouldn't know because i just met you on the train but we did talk a little before (laughs) and you were telling me how in high school you were like completely focused on winning yeah winning the game yeah i'm very competitive um
0: I have like a weird thing that I like to stay on that I like playing with myself on the edge if I go to like a carnival or something I won't leave the Mm -hmm. I won't leave the the basketball place until I win the bear and I don't know why I don't know where that comes from it kind of like was ingrained I won't leave I'm not leaving until that bear is coming with me. If I have to spend two hundred and fifty dollars, my- <laughs> that's what's going to happen. And you think you're winning, but I'm winning. <laughs> but I know I left here knowing that, like, I won't, I won't give up until if it's possible. You know, there's like a way, like pushing myself to see what what is actually possible. I love, I lo- I, I think I love that.
1: It's and that seems to me to be very like that trait that you were talking about on the promenade where you come off a day of nobody dropping a coin at your feet. And you're just saying, I'm gonna win now because I'll be back tomorrow. Because the future isn't written
0: yet. I think that many people get caught up looking at what is happening right now and thinking that that is what it is. But but it's not what's happening right now was created six months ago. So if you're watching what happens right now and you think that those people that are winning right now are the ones that will always win, that's not how life goes. No matter who you are right now and how you're being looked at, um, how you feel the world catches you, you have six months to go at it again. And in six months, everything will shift and you will and, and like all the standings will be different.
1: That is the most hopeful, sweetest knowledge that I have. Does all of your music come out of that? Because there's such, oh man, I'm not able to know about all your music. because yeah. I just met you on it's the It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. <laughs> but like your music has such an optimistic quality yeah. to it. Where, th- does that come from your mom and dad? What, like where? I think I'm, honestly, some of it's
0: genetic. Um, so it's hard to take credit for it. But like anybody else, when you work that muscle, you get better at it. So I have friends who go to the gym and they're amazing. And they kind of already were amazing. But then they love it because they're good at it. And then now they're in the gym all the time. It's like a cycle that like builds on itself.
1: Um, do do I, you notice company Life is Good? Yeah. Because uh, it, it's built on optimism. Yeah. You know, all the My dad wears all their stuff. <laughs> wow. Life is good. Oh, totally. Oh, man. Yeah, I know the guys who founded the company. You do? Yeah. Cool. Oh, I got to introduce you to Please, them. Please, I'd love to meet them. Oh, Burton, and JJ. Uh, and basically, they started this company and went for years, like hardly mm. being able to get by. And one time, they were in downtown Boston and in a rainstorm and like all their product is getting drenched. Yeah, you know, the rain just came down and they just like were dancing in the rain. Yeah, <laughs> And it was just what you're saying. You know, we're here, okay, we're getting washed away, but we're dancing because we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow. You yeah. know, it's funny, I, I've been writing poetry
0: um, in the mornings before we were just on tour and one day I wrote down this phrase that was like, hope is a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> and that to me is so real. Like it just gets branded weirder. There's all these, all these words like hope. Um, it sounds, I don't know, it doesn't sound cool to me, but it, it, at its essence, it is so intense to play for eight hours, have no one care and no one pay you and then just know you're gonna come back tomorrow because you have hope. That's badass. That's crazy. That's rebellious. This is like intense um, war that you're fighting to hope. That's what I
1: love. And I think that everybody can relate to it if
0: if you position it correctly,
1: you know? And you know what? You just helped me understand a quotation that I've seen a lot of or heard a lot of coaches use, which is hope is not a strategy. And you know what? It's not a strategy. It's way beyond the strategy. Oh, totally. Yeah, you need to still um you need it though. You
0: always need it. Still strategize. Please. Take a look at what's working, what's not working. Right. Shift. But this is way beyond yeah. that. Yeah. This is like I just yeah, I just I just love the idea that you can that you really can shift your 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 place, your position, what you're able to create, your output. These are all things that are movable. And I like to as much as possible Um, talk about this because I think other people that hear it, it can actually affect them and they can believe it as well. I know that one of the reasons I started my podcast is because I need to hear people that I respect talk about how hard it was for them. That's the gas in my car. When I hear, you know, I remember hearing like John Favreau, the guy who directs all these crazy awesome movies, talk about how hard it was to get there. I'm like, oh, that guy thought it was hard? So I'm like, I'm like him? Okay, you know? And I think one of the greatest services that anybody that has any success can be to others is to pull back the veil and let everybody see how this thing actually works. The
1: vulnerabilities.
0: Yeah, because it, that if essence- you think that I just do this, if I just shit out some hits, it's like you're way off, way off. This is a long process of loving something and struggling for it and hope is a crazy motherfucker and all this bonkers street time. And all, you know, like, so it's not, There's a way in the position I'm in now, if I'm vulnerable enough to be of service to others in this other way, which is cool.
1: What's the next step? Now you've got a few hits, but a a part of you is not basking in the glory from what I'm listening Mm. to and what I'm seeing on your face. Am I wrong about that?
0: Oh, no. I mean, we're back to awards. (laughs) Like We're not here to bask. In, in like, oh, it happened once, twice, three times, four, even six, seven, who who, who cares? Any number you say,
1: there's still Monday. It's all dead feathers, man.
0: Yeah, it's all dead feathers. There's still Monday. How am I, What am I going to catch today? How am I going to, you know, what's what's going to happen? How do we evolve? How do we move on? How do I put something in a song that I've never put in before? How do I, um, do you talk much
1: with your dad about this?
0: Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, he, um me and him talk about just kind of like any any artist conversations, which I have way too much. It's just like, okay, so where are you at? What do you? What's the next thing? How do I get you? How do we move forward? Um, it's it is one of my favorite pastimes to sit with someone else and help maybe unlock something for them to help them get their next step. You know, something about that gives me energy to go after mine as well.
1: What's it like? watching your dad's seeing you perform.
0: It's cool. It's like, uh, we're different. We're very, we're, we're different beasts, but also similar, you know? And I think um, he's usually pretty proud, I think, when he watches, which is so
1: sweet, you yeah. Is it, you know, there's a bunch of different parent reactions where some parents want to jump up and scream, others won't say anything. And certainly while you're there, but the moment you leave, you'll see them start to beam.
0: Oh, my, my dad's a super sweetheart and he'll beam in the moment and we'll cry and hold,
1: you know, like hug. And he's, he's just, he, it happens right there with him. That's sweet. Okay. So what's the next step? What's the next hit?
0: Well, you know, I got like a, a most of my new record is done, which I think is I'm very proud of, I'm very excited about. Um, we haven't hit Fresh Eyes yet what do you say? Oh, we're talking about like what the next, yeah, though, so the Fresh Eyes came out and that was the- I'm just following just the arc following, here. Okay, cool. So Fresh Eyes was the next one that did really well um, on streaming. So it didn't necessarily do amazing um, in the formats of radio. But
1: does that have more to do with the shift in-
0: No, because there are songs still that crush on radio. This okay. one just wasn't that song. This one seeped out into other countries and the world. Um, and just like got streamed a ton. I think it was like
1: over like 300 million times, um, am climbing. Did, did your video have something to do with that? Or? The video
0: was awesome, but I think mostly what happened was it was just a song that, that caught fire on Spotify. Um, and did really, for, for whatever reason was the first one that like really took off all across the world. We we played the Philippines recently We got to go play Australia. it, it, it caught something across the world that I hadn't had yet, which was really cool.
1: How's that one go? So suddenly
0: I'm in love with a stranger. I can't believe that she's mine. Now all I see is you with fresh eyes. Where did that line come from? Um, man, I was, I was trying to write a song about what it's like to have been with someone for a long time. And then when they surprise you, uh, that starts to be some of the sweetest moments you know how long have you been with your wife oh 26 years 26 years when she does something that kind of throws you off or surprises you
1: that's every day it's every day <laughs> it starts to become something that's really
0: sweet because you're like oh i thought i knew you and then you'll do something and maybe i'm still learning you that's kind of fun
1: yeah yeah i guess i have a very unique relationship because I do not assume that I understand my wife in any way. And yeah. the, the surprise is when there's an overlap. Oh, there you I go. I do understand. Oh, my God. I know you. Yeah. yeah that's really funny. <laughs> wow. Um, so that you put that the fresh eyes out. And is there not the normal response that you're expecting?
0: Did, yeah, it did okay, but it didn't like, um, it was right at the turn of when everybody's trying to decide what a hit is anymore because it, because it wasn't like a big radio hit. So culturally it didn't have the same impact that, um, it's it, it, that some of my other songs have had where if you just start humming it, people will know it, but it worked all over the world and these numbers are crazy. So it was, it was a very kind of an interesting one and it's kind of for me shifted the beginning of like, Oh, where are we right now? This is fascinating. My biggest stream song um, was not a crushing hit on radio. It was not a crushing hit on radio.
1: So now you're saying- But it's still like,
0: oh my God, it's allowing me to go across the world and play shows all over the place. And a certain demographic really loves it. When I go to colleges, it's the biggest song I have. Um, It's just kind of like alluding to this idea that all of our attention is a little bit split right now and finding a way that it's rare and rare that everyone agrees on something. But you can have these huge niches. Wow. That really love something. You know. It's wacky. It's kind of fun. If you it's all kind of like how you- I think
1: you've just described the future.
0: Yeah. It's figuring out how to get your niche um, as big as you possibly can. Really about getting finding. I think right now it's more about finding your people. Because there are a lot of people that love Cal Fussman
1: that don't know who you are yet. And and That is the biggest. Mystery to me because <laughs> I I'm an old school guy. Yeah. So I don't have this facility with the internet. It's not natural to me. Well, you have a podcast. You're I, kind of like I do. And you're I, in the zone, dude. No, and I love it. And people send emails and I send them back emails, and then you find out, oh, it went to my spam folder. Yeah, yeah. And like,
0: what do you mean? I think that overall it's awesome because. There are tribes of people that love certain things. And if you just keep putting out quality content for this tribe, they will, it will spread. If it's good, it's got to be good. You can't, um, now that everybody is a media company, like everyone has the ability to film themselves and do stuff, you have to provide, it's, it's really like all about providing a service. If you're giving someone something that they need and want, they will find you. They will tell their friends, they will share it. They will come to shows. It happens.
1: That is great news. It does. Yeah. Okay. So Fresh Eyes, you put out an amazing video. Yeah. How did that come about? Because you went to like a homeless shelter. You know, what's
0: so sweet about that is that it wasn't even um, my idea um, to do that. But I, through my life, have had done certain actions that my manager like I have a, a real soft spot in my heart for homeless people, um, and partly because my whole career started like four years street performing and being around people that were suffering from homelessness.
1: Yeah, you're, that you're seeing that every time you turn your head, and it's like going to Santa you go into
0: your job, and part of your co you know is like being in a space where your coworkers are people suffering from homelessness. That's who's there. You're waiting for a spot. You're next to Dave, not a homeless guy. His name's Dave and you're hanging out with him and you know him and you hear his story, you hear where he's from. And um, and it kind of like pulls back the veil on what that is. And it was just really good to be around it. So while I was street performing, I would also sometimes uh, for my birthday, people would we'd do runs down to uh, Skid Row where everybody would bring clothes and food and we'd go down. And then sometimes when I'd feel low, uh, the quickest way to not feel low is to go be of service to somebody else. So on La Brea, which is where, near where my apartment was, if I was like not feeling good, I would go and buy a 24-pack of waters from Ralph's and just leave them um, out next to all the people that were homeless sleeping on the street. These, these things seem um, – I don't know what they seem like, but I promise if you go do it, you feel unbelievable. So it's like, it's like a, quick, um, it's a quick pick-me-up you find that the pick the pick me up is truly when you go pick other people up. So I had a long history of doing actions like this and when uh someone came to my manager with the idea he's like oh there's no question Andy I have your video this is it. We just found this is it. This is what we're doing. This is who you are. We already know we, we all already know who you are and we're doing
1: this video. And as soon as we told me I was like oh my god this is the only thing I want to do this is amazing. Um so this the person with the idea knew of the homeless shelter. Was I don't long, think so. No. He just, thought, just like, had this would the idea. Be a really cool idea. Let's go to the homeless shelter. Let's look, turn the camera on people who are actually living there, sleeping in these bunk beds yeah. that are filling up rooms yeah. and seeing who they are. And then then we're going to put them through a transformation process where you see their beards get shaved or their yeah. hair gets cut and they get to choose new clothes. And then you get to see them the moment that they're spun around in their chair and they see what they look like in these new clothes with these new faces. And then we're going to march them out of the shelter and past an adoring line of people who are jumping up and down. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's always scary because you don't want to get, event.
0: you don't want to get melodramatic about it. You don't want them to feel like they're being used. You just are trying to do a good act. And it was really sweet.
1: It, it did not come off. I know, but it's dangerous and, while it
0: was happening. I'm a little bit like, Oh, I hope this doesn't come off that way. And I don't think it did, which I was really proud of. Yeah, that it,
1: it really, of, of, all the music videos I've ever seen, mm. like it stands out. Oh, thank you. Because it's so to the heart and authentic. And there is, to me, there was no manipulation in it. Yeah. I mean, because every person is capable of, of having that happen so long as somebody will provide a new suit of clothes. Yeah. Or the barber.
0: These moments I crave where you can feel like immense love. And a lot of times it's, it's from being of service. And sometimes it, it takes a little bit of, you know, I, I've found there's like this rhythm to service, which is that you have an idea of doing something good. And then you have another flood of ideas that go for some reason to attack that idea and tell you all the reasons why it wouldn't be worth doing. And if you can push past it enough, wow. a, a number of times over and over and over again, you build up a resistance. So when you have an uh, an, an inkling to do something cool, uh, and then you you know like, all right, I had this cool idea. Now I'm just waiting. Oh, here they are. Here are all the, ta- here are all the attacks on why that won't be a good <laughs> These idea. These
1: are all the people walking by, not putting the coins. Yeah, yeah this, is, the is, like what, this is what's going to happen. So once you
0: know the rhythm of it, wow. then you push through to, a, you know, we just did it on tour. We bought uh, a... We were playing a show, I think it was in Tampa, that was next to like a tent city. And I have this little inkling, I should go to Ross and buy like a bunch of clothes. And then me and the band should just go give them out. And then you're like, well, oh, here come all the ideas. No, nah, you don't have enough time. Uh, it's kind of probably expensive. Is that a good way to use money? Um, is, is it going to look like you're trying to make your band do it? All these ridiculous ideas uh, that will surely come and attack you. And you just push through it. And then right, we, we did sound check. Everybody, there's all these clothes. We all went out and gave out a bunch of clothes in this tent city. It was freaking awesome. It was a great way to start the tour. Amazing. You know, just this like basic idea of like, oh, do you want some jeans? And they're like, hell yeah, I want jeans. Thank you so much. <laughs> but you have to push through this wow. weird, this weird mess every time.
1: You know, I don't know why. Certainly, you can look around and see that there are a lot of people who love what you do. It's overwhelming, yeah. There's, there, you're no more on the Third Street Promenade. And you, you actually don't even have the fuel of, I'll be back tomorrow mm. after you've been ignored. Because now there's nobody ignoring you. There's always, always fuel. I think it's as hard to
0: do it once to do it once is just as hard as to do it
1: again. So it's, it's sort of like the, that never goes away. The Patriots win the Super Bowl and they, they got to have to do it again.
0: It, it's, it's in this, in this business. And I think in most business, to be honest, it's like, what have you done for me lately? And I don't, I kind of knew that was what I, what I was getting into.
1: And I have it for myself. So it's not even, um, So this whole competitive side that grew up playing sports, it really comes through for you that way. Totally. Because there's sounds like at the time where other people might be satisfied, you're ready. It's a new season. You're zero and zero new season. You know, it's, it's interesting of
0: just trying to figure out what's going to be, what's going to make you excited. And then, um, sharing, trying to make that as good as possible so that you can share it with everybody. And, and now knowing that you do have this group of people that really love you and respect you and are waiting, that's a whole other sweet kind of pressure is to
1: not let anybody down, you know? Now, how do you not let anybody down when there are so many people that probably want a piece of your time? Because I'm, I'm just starting to get into the internet and all of a sudden Welcome. you you wake up in the morning and there are, there are people asking you to listen to their podcast can you read my book yeah and if i did all the things that people were asking me very kindly please yeah i 24 hours would be taken yeah and i want to be nice to them and yet i like i feel lousy that i because in a way i'm becoming the people who are passing by and not dropping the coin I know. And, and i know that i know but i if i stop and i drop a coin in everybody's it, it's it's more the time if i just stop to, i think to that to hear it's really song,
0: dangerous to um to like in, in, in what you're speaking to, to have any sort of habit. I think that if you just right like, I think you need to be able to be variant because, because you don't want to be someone that never listens. So like you have to be a little bit erratic about it.
1: Oh, I'm listening. And, and that th- like, this would give me. Cause you can't listen to feel, it all. That, that's right. But then you're thinking, okay, so this person actually went out of their way. To to let me know, we listen to your podcast. It's like I know it's so inspirational. It's like changing my life. Can you listen to mine? And now you're feeling like you're letting the person down. Yeah. By saying, "Well, I'm I'm sorry, I really can't." I told you I did this text
0: thing um, where I gave out a gave out my phone number, and everybody texts me, and I have been trying to get to everyone back individually. And it has now reached almost 15,000 that I got to get back to. And there's a good chance that a lot of people are disappointed with me because I haven't hit them back directly. Um, Now I send out a text message that says like, Hey, I'm going to be here. If you're in this part of the country, come meet me for donuts and everybody, a a bunch of people show up, but I think it's okay. And hopefully my fans know that like, it's better that I rifle through and try to get to as many as I can. And it's still fun because some people are getting text messages from me, a video. Somebody asked me like, hey, I'm getting married. Can you put this in? Can you send me a congratulations thing gonna put it in the wedding video? I do, I, I'm literally spending hours trying to get back to every single person, but still wow. not being able to do it and living in this dilemma of like, I still think it's better that I try. I still think it's better that I try. And, and then just
1: go as much as I can that day and I'll go as much as I can tomorrow. Guy was at breakfast this morning, I had breakfast every morning with Larry King. Yeah. And a guy came along and he had written a book of questions. I think it was actually a bestseller many years ago. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions was, imagine you walk into a restaurant and you see the person of your dreams. You're single okay, and you've just seen the person of your dreams and you know, this is going to be fantastic. Everything I've ever wanted in a person is right there. Mm-hmm. And then you know that six months later, a person's going to die. Do you still go over and meet that person or do you walk away?
0: I 100% go meet the person. Yeah, I
1: knew you were going to no say that. No question. I knew you were going to say that. Because that's a
0: part of who you, what your story is. And um, I also love... I mean, I love talking about the afterlife and I don't think it ends here. So,
1: yeah. Okay, so there is no end for you. No. Unfair question for you. Yeah, unfair
0: question. You know, me me and my mom have a very interesting relationship. So it doesn't, I don't think it ends.
1: You know, it's interesting. I talked to my mom who's passed away. Yeah. A good deal. Yeah. And I remember my mom telling me, obviously before she died, there's a line in an Amy Tan book where the mother says to the daughter, I am in your bones. Yeah. And that's kind of what it feels like. Mm-hmm.
0: So I think you have to go meet this person and go through the ups and the downs with
1: them, even of losing them, because that's what we're here for. Yeah, I would definitely do it. Uh, I wonder if my wife would. Yeah. Very different personality. Totally. I, if I'm gonna, why would I put myself through pain? Yeah. If I could avoid the pain, why would I? Yeah. But you know, I have a song
0: that's gonna be coming out pretty soon. That's called um, "Wishy Pain," which is um, this idea. Very
1: that, unlike the uh, well, you're probably playing with it. Yeah, it's
0: what we're talking about, which yeah. is this. This sweet girl came up to me and said, "Like, what? I want to do what you do." I, I want to do what you do and shoot me straight. Like, what do I need? What, like, how do I get
1: there? Right.
0: And What's I'm, the secret like,
1: sauce? Secret
0: sauce. And I'm like, have you, you know, have you been out? Have you, have you tried? Have you done everything? And the only thing that I like, you need things to sing about. You need to know the experience, the human experience. Like, I wish the only she, way she you didn't,
1: get, she didn't understand that it came attached to all, all this
0: stuff. Right. Like, how do you grow? You grow from these these situations. So I like I can love song. you and still like hope that you go through some shit. Because that will make you stronger. That's what you need. I could, I can't wait to hear. How does yeah. that song go? Yeah. Not yet. You're, you're not yet. allowed no, to sing that one. No, right? no,
1: but eventually, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How does that feel? To not be able to sing something you're Oh, I could. With?
0: I just don't want to give it away.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Like yeah. somebody could steal
0: it? No, it's just more fun to like. Uh, it would be like if I was stand up comedian. You're like, tell me the joke. I'm like, it'll probably be better uh, in a room with a bunch of people in dark lights. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got probably it. get it a little better. Now. Got it. Yeah.
1: All right, good point. Yeah. And so, where do you see yourself going? Yeah. You're 35 years old. Yeah. Married? I'm married. I got a kid. My
0: my the the place that I want to go is just um just continue to go bigger. You just like. It's addicting to have people understand you and what you're about and then show up in big numbers to come celebrate life with you. That's my hope, is that we can just keep getting bigger and bigger. I have an amazing band, an amazing group of people that are around me. And every night we go out to try and uh, make the world a little bit better, a little happier, feel something deeper. You know, I have like this image in my head of the United States on this last tour and Hopefully every night where we played, there was like a golden energy that that like exploded in that city a little bit. And if you look at the map of where we've been, hopefully that's what happens. You know, it's like it's a the world can be a a tough place and unbridled uh, aggressive optimism
1: is is something that people need like a B12 shot. It's good. So you really do see yourself through the frame of optimism.
0: Yeah. Kind of like a logical optimism, like a grounded optimism. Optimism that is not grounded is, um, is boring, I think. It's just dreamlike? Yeah, it's like it falls into like a, a zone that no one believes. If you just go, like, be happy, it's like, okay. <laughs> but if you go, you know, my first song is like, yeah, I'm, I'm walking through Los Angeles with, like, gutted because my mom just passed away. Everyone doesn't think I'm going to do anything. They don't, they're not actively, aggressively trying to not make me do it, but the silence is pretty clear. Um, I have no money, and I'm still saying, like, keep your head up. That's cool. That is cool. That's grounded in something, you know. Um, I think a lot of positive music, positive, I hate the word. I, there's no good words. That I wish there were more words. Because even they're all so charged with cheese. <laughs> oh, man. That to get around them, you're always dancing around them. You know? Because everybody feels this. They're like, as while the world can be dark and people understand sadness, they also have happiness. It's just sometimes hard to get to in a relatable way.
1: Well, I'm going to close this by saying, I hope you never change. <laughs> Thank you. No, but, and saying You catch up me in five years. I'm like, fuck it all, man. No, yeah. I'm doing metal music. Hi, this hi. is bullshit. <laughs> Nothing worked out. It's the worst. As, as soon as I said that line, I said, no, don't say that. That's ridiculous because you're going to change. I will change. And you're going to go through all kinds of stuff that's yes. going to make it even better. Even more interesting. Even better. Yeah. And I look forward to coming on the journey with you. I may even sign up for that texting thing that you're doing. So Please you can do. And if you ignore me, that's Dude, cool man that is completely cool okay listen
0: guys i'm gonna I'm gonna tell you the number because it's really fun, and I like there's a decent chance I'll text you back or send you a video back like it might happen. The number is um here it is it's oh blown it. no, it's blown. I'm just kidding uh, the number is three two three. 329-6227 if you text me and i am rolling through the text i like fly through them and pick somebody um and i've been sending text messages to thousands of people
1: so i gotta say like hey this is cal or how, how are you gonna know
0: it's me yeah i'll well and i'll ask you to put in your phone number and i'll text you i'll already know it's you it's cool just from my phone number yeah no no you you, you put in what you want it'll ask for your birthday and your phone number and and now, you,
1: first, now you want my birthday? No, well, listen. A social security. No, no, number. no. Listen. Yeah. I, it'll ask
0: for your birthday and your phone and and your uh, whether you're a male or female, and then you put your name in. And the first the first text message you get back is an auto reply, and then from there on, anything that happens is me. And I don't outsource it to anybody. It's just me. I spend a lot of time connecting with my people. It's truly it's, really, it's it's so sweet. A lot of times people will use it to send me a story about how this song. Uh, changed their outlook because they were dealing with cancer and now they're doing better and they just want me to know how it this one is like oh man we just had a baby and your song Spaceship means the world to us and the baby's here and it's a photo of me and my family and the bit. it's like like heart punches all day long and then I, I try to as much as I can get back to as many people as possible that's
1: beautiful it's an unbelievable thing you know what it may be that you just convinced me <laughs> to do the same thing. I have no go, idea buddy. what it's going to take me. <laughs> yeah. But sounds like you're having a hell of a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. All right. We're going to keep this going. Uh, it's just, it's been a joy talking to you today. Thank you for coming over, man. I and appreciate it. I look forward
0: to- This is an amazing swap. So please listen to my Good Parts podcast. We did yep. one earlier where Cal came on mine and I'm now here and uh, we're going to share with
1: everybody. We got awesome. the, good part, the good part. Both of them are really good. I'm really excited about both of them. And big question, side by side. Awesome, man. Thank you right. so much. Thank, thank you. It's beautiful. It. It's Cheers. That about wraps it up. As usual, I've got to thank Tim Ferriss for nudging me to start this podcast. Every week, I meet somebody and feel like I've made a new friend and get some takeaway like these. Hope, Um, it sounds, I don't know, it doesn't sound cool to me, but at its
0: essence, it is so intense to play for eight hours, have no one care and no one pay you and then just know you're gonna come back tomorrow because you have hope. That's badass, that's crazy, that's rebellious. This is like intense um, war that you're fighting to hope. That's what I love.
1: Also very grateful for my friends and sponsors. Want to give a shout out to all those at Sportique and My Intent for coming along on the journey. Check out MyIntent.org for a bracelet that will get you to ask yourself about the passions you wish to pursue and challenges you wish to overcome. Go to MyIntent.org and see why companies like Nike, Lyft, Airbnb, and Lexus gift My Intent bracelets because a My Intent bracelet will make you think. MyIntent.org Also want to thank my buddies at Sportique. They've introduced me to people who wear Sportique. And when you talk to these people, you find out how important a comfortable piece of clothing can be. These threads can actually turn comfort into confidence. I'll be telling some of these stories down the road, so stay tuned. But in the meantime... Go to sportique.com and get some insight into why Kevin, the manager, sleeps in his Sportique sweatpants. That's sportique, S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E dot com. Oh, and please send photos of where in the world you listen to big questions. It may start a beautiful friendship. Until we meet again next week, cheers.